I'm 12. This is my dad. Hello. And welcome to the seventh episode of Little History, a.k.a. our Columbus Day special. Now, last week we decided our topic would be Benito Mussolini, but because of the upcoming Columbus Day, we decided to throw together an episode um, in the name of that holiday. Kind of ironically, we're going to be debunking the myth of Columbus and many other myths around the time of the, air quotes, discovery of America and the American Revolution. Um, now, tell me, Dad, how's your past week been? It's been pretty good, thank you. I just started my new job, and it's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's been fun. I went away with Mum for a few days because it was our 20th anniversary. That was really nice. We went to Maine, but you know that, but the yeah. people listening don't. By the way, we will come back to Mussolini. We haven't yeah, abandoned well, yeah. the idea. Um, uh, we'll be coming back to Mussolini and uh, probably doing that next week, right? Yeah, we have a lot of topic ideas, so we don't need to worry about um, topics episode-wise. While my mom and dad were on the anniversary, I went on a trip to this place called the Ecology School. It's by the seaside in Saco, Maine. Went to the tide pool, saw the sunrise, did stargazing, learned about nocturnal animals. It was great. It's like, I'm pretty sure they do up to like four, four nights away for nine weeks during the fall. So definitely recommend going there. But... So we're going to... But what? Sort of starting on a topic. Oh, okay. I mean, anyway. Anyway. Anywho. So we are going to be covering three myths or sort of twists of the truth. We're going to be going in reverse order chronologically. We're going to be covering the myths of Paul Revere, Pocahontas, and Christopher Columbus. The one and only. Of course, all of these people existed, and all of these stories are sort of true. So, my dad's going to say sort of what, how he thinks the story went, and what the common glorified version was. So, we'll start with Paul Revere. Now tell me, Dad, what do you think the story of Paul Revere was? Well, um, as far as I can tell, he's pretty much... Um, I was going to say revered, and I was going to say that unintentionally, but I suppose he is revered as one of the heroes around the American Revolutionary War. The traditional story goes that he was waiting on the Charlestown side of the Charles, waiting for a signal from Boston. And the signal from Boston would indicate which way the British forces were coming, whether they were coming by sea or whether they were coming by land. And there's that famous quote, one if by land, two if by sea, meaning one light in the Boston clock tower if they were coming by land, and then they would show two lights in the Boston clock tower if they were coming by sea, upon which he would gallop all around the country, letting everybody know whether to prepare for a sea battle or a land battle. And I guess from that, everyone could figure out how much time they had and what they needed to do. And, of course, according to the traditional story, that was all a resounding success, and he's a bit of a hero. Mm. So, did that happen? Well, it was right that um, he did do his midnight ride, and he did warn the local militias, and they even won. But the more specific details of his midnight ride 
are completely false and have been glorified for the sake of, I don't know, the drama of the story. I can't believe that. Well, many of our American viewers can't believe that. I mean, looking into this topic, I was surprised that schools, the center of academia, you know, have sort of, almost sort of made up these stories. What really happened was the signal lanterns, although they were used correctly, one if by land, two if by sea, they were never for Paul Revere. He was all the way in Boston, um, while the person who was looking at the tower, a member of the Sons of Liberty, which was a patriotic activists club, the same guys that um, committed the Boston Tea Party. Joseph Warren, he was waiting there. He saw the two lanterns. He knew that they would be coming by sea. And he sent um, another sort of lower-ranking Son of Liberty called William Dawes. And after that, sort of the messages go, go along. And, like, Paul Revere was nothing unique. There were a bunch of people sent out from the east coast of Massachusetts um, to warn Lexington. Because there's no way he would have been able to go around every house and every sort of militia group to warn them. And so eventually Dawes and Revere both sort of join in their ride. And everybody thinks it was this glorious ride of them yelling, The British are coming! The British are coming! Which, if we think about that for a second, would be riding through the countryside in the pitch black, shouting that to who knows who. Yeah. Mainly forest. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's not going to be many average people with guns that are not designed for hunting. You'd have to go to each militia group. It would just have been a stupid move if they had, if they had yelled, because at the time, America hadn't declared its independence officially. So this was very early on. This was like the rebellion. This wasn't war. This was just sort of a civil sort of thing. So it was very easy for the British to take Boston and to get their troops and their spies. So if they were just yelling, the British are coming, the British are coming, the spies could say, hey, guys, um, I wonder who the uh, rebel is. I wonder who the rebels are, and I wonder where they are. As well, this will be important later with the whole American independence thing. Everybody living in the colonies was British. So if he had been yelling that, it would have been like, are we coming? Are you coming? Is something important happening? So what did he say? <laughs> um, they actually called the British Army, the Navy sort of in general, the regulars. So he would go to specific houses and say, the regulars are coming, the regulars are coming. And he'd whisper it in case there was a spy nearby. He'd find yeah, someone yeah. he could trust and he'd whisper it to them. Well, yeah, just the, there would be individuals who would let the militias know. And presumably he said, the regulars are coming by sea. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, it's kind of the point. Yeah, it was. Because if they had been coming land all by land, all the militias would go, like, north. yeah. Um, since they would have been coming in from Canada. So they'd warned the Lexington militias, but it's too late. The British, they break through, and they outflank Revere, and they're captured. The only well-known night rider who completed his ride to Concord, hundreds of riders had gone out throughout Massachusetts, not just to, like, Concord, but more south, more north. Mm -hmm. um, 
and but one of them actually made it through one yeah one of and them made the whole ride from i'm pretty sure it was boston as well with revere but he split off to go sort of like outback routes and who was that samuel prescott so samuel prescott really he, made he it all the it. way he made it all the way but it's paul revere who gets all it's the glory paul revere who gets all the credit again and so why is that again i don't know why but this poet um, Henry Longfellow wanted to sort of make a contribution to these heroic acts by many of these men. And of course, in a poem, it has to be dramatized, and he's not going to mention all of the hundreds night riders who went out there. He was really just a random pick and choose. He just chose Paul Revere. So we have Samuel Prescott... He did practically the best ride, and he gets no credit just by the random choosing of somebody who will have their work remembered. So this this poet just picked a name. It's an accurate name, but, yeah, but it, it could have been anyone. Yeah, and I don't even know how he knew it was Paul Revere, because at the time, there hadn't really been many biographies written, only for like really important people. Paul Revere, his midnight ride wasn't even mentioned in his obituary. How funny. Well, somebody obviously knew about it. and I mean, uh, yes, somebody must have. But, but, um, but you're saying it's really the, the poet who made Revere famous. Yeah, this is sort of an ongoing thing. You'll get people who will write very dramatized, twisted stories about it. And then you'll get other people who hop onto it, like the school system that hopped onto the idea of it sort of being like an American fable. So they kind of started fable, telling that, that tell fable as, as fact. It as, yeah, it's yeah. like real, true history, which, of course, for us is not very pleasing. Um, no, we demand acuity in everything <laughs> yeah. except our own podcasts, in which case we're okay with quite a lot of grey. It's going to be a lot of truthiness. Yes, truthiness is our watchword. Mm. All right, that's pretty cool. So yeah. anything else on Paul Revere? I mean, nothing much. Again, Actually, just think if it had been historically accurate, there could be a district in Boston now that's known as Prescott instead of Revere. Yeah. That's just wrong, man. All right. Okay, what's next? <laughs> um, so our next story slash truth is going to be the story of Pocahontas, which only got really big from the movie, the Disney movie made about it. Now, is that true? I mean... I think, it wasn't it a big story anyway? It was a big story anyway, but it got, like, really big. Yeah. Well, when you stick it to music and draw someone who doesn't look like a real person, I mean... Yeah. It'll work. <laughs> Targeted at children made by Disney, it's going to work. Yeah. Um, now, I haven't watched the movie, and I don't think... I think I watched it once, but I was, like, really little. And I don't... Have you watched Pocahontas? No, it's not really my bag. But we, we both have the general idea of the story that is re recounted by Disney. And not just by Disney, right? Yeah, by Dis but yeah, by like everybody who's watched the, the, the movie. Disney kind of picked yeah. up. Or are you saying Disney made it up? So well should we do what we did last time and yeah. sort of I can give the commonly understood version of the story and then you can drop a truth bomb on yeah, us. Yeah, debunk it. Alright. Alright. <laughs> so the story that's commonly held for Pocahontas is that she was a princess of a Native American tribe. And when the British first arrived and set up their initial colonies, 
uh, a chap called John Smith <laughs> went frolicking through the local woods to try and find animals and vegetables and things that he might be able to eat. And he stumbled upon this tribe who said, uh, well, I don't know what they said. Anyway, they captured him. <laughs> who knows what they said? He was captured and the story goes that he was going to be executed. In fact, he was going to be beheaded when Pocahontas stepped in and actually physically stepped in, put her head kind of over where John Smith's head lay um, on the executioner's stone and subsequently saved his life. And from that, John Smith and Pocahontas fell in love and Pocahontas ended up traveling the world with John Smith, traveling all around Britain and Europe and, and opening people's eyes to the kindness and civility of the Native Americans. Um, and then I think in the Disney version of the story, they had some kind of mental disorder that made them break into song pretty regularly. <laughs> um, I think that's pretty common in the Disney universe. Yeah, some kind of mass delusion that... It's just a fault in the human being. <laughs> it's like... I'm afraid that your mother has died. <laughs> All right. I don't think Disney goes that way. It does go that dark, I guess. All well, right. In the normal world. Give us the give us the real scoop. So, now this is just me being pedantic. There's one detail that you missed. She also sort of had Pocahontas had a feud with her father. She was destined to um marry the best warrior of the tribe. Yes, thank you for that. Cocoam. He's sort of represented as this guy doesn't have a lot of fun, isn't funny. He's just like, mm. he's not even like, yeah, he's just like, mm. I kind don't know. Kind of dour. Yeah. Not very chatty. Yeah, he's not, not even like, yeah, let's party. He's just like, <laughs> the name of Pocahontas, they couldn't even get right. Her real name, now excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, any um, viewers of Native American origin, but Aminute. Sounds like I'm a newt. I'm a new. I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have said that. Um, You're a new. <laughs> I'm a new. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> um, so um, that was her real name. It wasn't Pocahontas. Again, I don't know where Disney gets their names from. Well, no, we found this out. Pocahontas was her nickname. Oh, and and right. Pocahontas means um, like troublemaker or mischief. Yeah, and, and that was uh, from her father. That, right? that was her nickname from her father. Oh, it's better than you. <laughs> All right. Also, the whole John Smith love story that just didn't happen. Like not. Even There's a very important reason that it didn't happen in the too. slightest way. So right, relating to her age. John Smith he arrived in 1607. Everybody was in a grab for the colonies, and the British wanted their share. So this is just one of the settlements. Um, it was called Jamestown, so I'm going to call them the Jamestownsians. Pocahontas had born, was born in 1596. So she was 10 when he was already a middle-aged man. He, di he didn't even notice her specifically. Yeah, I sincerely hope that there was I, no... I mean, don't worry, there wasn't like any adultery or, you know... Adultery? Is that what it means? <laughs> no, no. Adultery mm. isn't when someone has an affair with an adult. <laughs> Can we cut that bit out? 
sorry. Adultery is when a spouse cheats on the other spouse. Pocahontas was born in 1596. So when John Smith arrived in 1607, she was 10. So ah. he didn't even, like, notice her specifically um, until, like, way later on. Also in the story, they say that, oh, there was peace and harmony, and then it was really bad. They had a fallout. They always hated each other, and for two main reasons. When John Smith arrived, he had a religious welcoming ceremony. He thought he was being attacked and captured. So the Jamestownians were like, hmm, these people seem a bit sketchy. So they stay neutral with each other until... Sort of skeptical, yeah, so, but until neutral. Until a couple of years later. So the Native Americans have been very charitable, giving them a lot of their apple and corn. They have a bad harvest one year, and they have to feed their own people, so they can't give them any more. And what happens is... The chief potent goes along and says, hey, we can't give you any more stuff. We barely have enough to feed our own. And from what I've researched, they didn't kill anybody, but they just received so much harassment. It gets so bad that Chief Poetin says, there's no way we can live normal lives. We have to move our settlement. So they take the village and they move to an unknown location from Jamestown. And during the rest of that time, John Smith, he injures himself and has to go back to England. But the story doesn't end there. A couple of years later, Pocahontas, known really as Aminute, married Cocoam. Because he was actually a sound and funny guy. He was really nice. Oh, the guy who's portrayed as a big grump in, yeah, the, big uh, in the Disney movie. grumpy muscle, sort of muscly. A grumpy guy. muscle. A grumpy muscle. I mean, yeah, he was the best warrior. So, um, But she actually liked him. But then the James Townsians... They find the settlement again, and they kidnap Pocahontas. Why? I don't know. Nobody really knows. They, um, one of them was having a feud with her father, still over that corn thing. Okay. So they take Aminute. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep saying Pocahontas. Okay. So excuse me if I, um, if I don't say her real name. So she's taken overseas where a guy called John Rolfe proposes to her. She doesn't really have a say in it. A, because he's English, and B, because she's been captured. So she has to make the best of the situation. They have a son, and on the London Company of Virginia, the business suits, you could call them, who are running Jamestown, and they say, huh, they had a son. They seem like a pretty happy couple on the outside. We could use this as marketing. So she's taken on this massive tour through Britain, while being bound to the land of Jamestown, just to get more people to come over and to get more funding from the government. So not the happy, harmonious marriage that yeah. people might have been told. It's more of like she's kind of a hostage and yeah. she's being used, exploited for marketing purposes to raise funds for, for the yeah. settlements. And How depressing. It works. It works really well. Um, she's treated really badly and eventually, at only 21 years old, dies of disease while going on a worldwide tour. Oh, that's horrific. The story doesn't even end there. So we got John Smith. He's really old and just really creepy. <laughs> so it's now 1612 and he's writing 
a recount of his adventures in the Americas. He makes up this story. He was like, oh, Pocahontas saved me from near death. And then things started to get really interesting. Now, I'm not going to use, like, certain words, but he said in his journal that Pocahontas and 30 other women seduced him with a dance and just became really flirty, like, ooh, hello there. And it's just, it's <laughs> so creepy. You have this creepy... That was pretty creepy. ...crazy old man, like, ooh, everybody wanted a piece of John Smith. <laughs> Yeah, I think I get the picture. Yeah, That's pretty gross. Yeah. Um, so he basically started uh, embellishing in a pretty major way. Yeah. So what they do is Disney comes along and they take the story and just throw out the bit about the 30 women. And kind of have this very romanticized version. And so what happens is the the graveyard where Pocahontas was buried in they sort of make this memorial for her. They renamed it the Pocahontas Gardens. And they have the, the story I'm telling of what really happened. And I think that's quite nice. And the Americans, they were really nasty to the Native Americans. And especially to this woman who never got to see her home after being kidnapped. Or her husband. Or and her then was husband. exposed to foreign diseases that killed her. Yeah. That's pretty grim. <sighs> Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're doing this for the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. All right. We done with that yes. cheerful story? We're done with the Pocahontas section. That was, that was charming. So now we're on to something um, we can sort of laugh at. Um, Christopher Columbus. Christopher Columbus. It is his holiday, after all. Yeah. And he's the main idiot of this story. <laughs> it's 1492, and in recent years... The Ottomans, who we've been talking about in their early years, they've cut off Europe from the spice trade. Spice is what Europe is running off of. It's the big trade right now, sort of like gold was between the Africans and the Europeans earlier. And Christopher Columbus, he didn't discover the world was flat. A lot of people are like, oh, he was this revolutionary. You mean discovered the world was round? Round. I so say that every time. a bit time. like uh, some of our basketball players here. <laughs> it... <laughs> He discovered he did not discover the world was round. He didn't discover the world was round because at the time it was already a fact. And like people were selling globes, it was being taught in schools. Nobody thought that if you continued sailing you would go over the edge. They just thought if you continued sailing to India, you wouldn't fall off the edge. You'd just run out of food. Well, yes, because you yeah. it's not to do with where you far. were in the world, just because it was such a long way. Yeah, right. Such a right. long way. Um now the distance the mathematicians of the time determined and the correct distance was 10,000 miles from Spain to India. Now, Christopher Columbus didn't take the advice of the experts and thought the world was like, it was super tiny. He thought that the distance between Spain and India was 2,400 and then he could make it in like a matter of days. Oh, um, really? Yeah. He thinks he could do 2,400 in a matter of days? Yep. What, did he have a motorboat or something? No. Nope. <laughs> he was just an idiot. <laughs> okay. Um, so, he also thinks that the world is pear-shaped and that it has a nipple on top of it. Cool. All right, then. And why did he think that? I don't just, know. Just, that's what he thought. <laughs> just, that's what he thought. 
he goes to the king and queen of Spain at the time, Ferdinand and Isabella, and he explains what he thinks and says, mm. I can fix... The world's not flat. That's the stupid. Not it's pear-shaped. It's teeny tiny. <laughs> it's pear-shaped, and it has a nipple on top of it. So... Okay. Um, <clears throat> so he um, says he can fix the spice trade. And, of course, the king and queen know that he's wrong, and they say, you know what, we're running out of spice. I don't care if there's, like, a nil chance that he's right. Give him three ships to go sail off. If he dies, who cares? <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so he sails off in 1492 and, and supposedly discovers America. He didn't discover America. The first person to land in America was Leif Erikson and his Viking navigators. So I just wanted to put that out of the way. Um, because people say, oh, he discovered our great nation. No, he didn't. Okay. He did land in the Caribbean, though. So they're not completely wrong if they mean by America the continents. But he didn't um, think that the Caribbean was the Caribbean, He did didn't he? think it was or the, the Caribbean. Caribbean, as I would call it. So... Correctly. Now, I might make something on, like, a map, just a couple of, like, arrows and labels. He thought that Central America, basically um, the land from ne Mexico all the way down to the Panama, from to Panama, he thought that was India. He thought Cuba was Japan. And he thought that um, the West Indies were the East Indies. Oh, dear. And I can see why, but you can just really? tell that he's, well, yeah, I mean, he thinks well, he's... Well, because they're both a long way away by sea. Well, because they're both in, like, the same area, but they were, like, they were too close to each other. It just shows how much more bad he was at math. You mean, you mean they were in the same, they were roughly in the same area compared to each other? Yes. Obviously, they're nowhere near. I mean, yeah, no way. He was just really bad at math. But, um, well, and not just math. He was also really bad at sailing. <laughs> he went in the wrong direction. Yeah. Like, completely the wrong. He, he went in the opposite wanted, direction. He wanted to find a quicker way to get to India. <sighs> okay. Yeah. You know, on this national holiday, I'm put in mind of another famous figure who is a complete buffoon, has no formal knowledge, yet appears to have stumbled into some success. There's kind of a current parallel there, but fortunately we don't have a, a national holiday to that person just yet. Yes. I will end that subtweet alert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Columbus. So, um, he discovers the turkey, the pineapple, and the hammock. <laughs> a hammock? How do you discover a hammock? I mean, a turkey and a pineapple I can get. They kind of occur in nature. Really, like, come across a hammock field. The people in the Caribbean had hammocks. So he didn't discover them. He stumbled across them after someone else had made it them. It was the first European to discover them. Uh, <laughs> that is the kind of crap that litters the history books of Europe. It's hammock like, oh, day. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> that looks brilliant. I'm going to say I discovered that. Um, uh, that's outrageous. One of the worst things, besides his brilliant discovery of the hammock, he... <sighs> Just bounced. And he didn't discover the turkey or the pineapple, right? <laughs> yeah, they already had them. But he there. basically just claimed them as his own. <laughs> <laughs> and so he did so with the people and their jewelry. 
He just bounced around the Caribbean, enslaving and killing all the people there, and saying he discovered all of these riches. Sounds like a joke. <laughs> so he arrives. The first place he sort of really arrived was the um, the island that contains the Dominican Republic and Haiti. He thinks it's India, and the people that are living there are the Taino, and he's like, this will be my new land. This is Spain's land. We're going to control the spite. It's the spice trade. And the Taino, they don't really understand any of this, but they treat them with hospitality. And Christopher Columbus, after claiming their land and after receiving all of this nice stuff, says, hey, where's your gold? And where's all your expensive jewelry? And the Taino people are like, I'd love to help, but what is gold? So he has the Nina the Pinta and the Santa Maria, comes back with about 17 warships. Warships! Like, you know, the military. I'm quite impressed he could find his way back there, given his um, navigational prowess. He goes to Africa and is like, where are your warships? (laughs) And 1,200 men. And there are 250,000 of these people. And after just a year of them basically looting the island, 200 of them are left. Most enslaved or basically peasant people. Oh, so they pretty much killed everyone. Yeah. And they did that for Central America, Cuba, pretty much every other island in the Caribbean. Oh, didn't know that. And that's kind of an atrocity. That's not just being a jerk. That's, yeah, that's that, an atrocity. That's, that's really bad. So we go from him just being a bit of a buffoon to actually... I mean, there are a lot of Caribbean people in America, and to celebrate this guy, put mass genocide upon them, I don't even know how it happened. And the reason we celebrate him is only because another author by the name of Washington Irving, the one who wrote the first English biography of Columbus, he saw that he was a murderous failure. He knew it at the time. And what happens is instead of trying to find another idea for a book, he just continues to write his own version. Columbus was a failure? Hmm, maybe I should write a biography on somebody else. Nope, let's say uh, he discovered the earth was flat. Round. Round. Come on, James. (laughs) Are we going to have to have a talk? I think it's (laughs) very... And then he discovered America. And hammocks. <laughs> no, he didn't even mention the hammocks. Oh, what an insult. <laughs> uh, well, that's... Um, it's heavy. Horrible. Happy Columbus Day, everybody. Happy Columbus Day. <sighs> All right, well... Well, that was quite depressing. Um, Pocahontas was depressing. Columbus was depressing. I mean, I thought I'd get a laugh at him. I did. But... <laughs> Mass genocide's never funny. Yeah. Um, ugh, what a despicable person. Okay, well, anything else on those? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, you ready for your moment of glory? Yes, I'm ready for my moment of glory. All right, you go first. So, if we go back in this episode, remember when I said that John Smith was injured and had to go back to England? Yeah. So, like Christopher Columbus, he was not only old and creepy, he was also a bit stupid. 
he got injured, so pretty early on when Jamestown is settling in, a lot of people smoke pipes. So he goes by a barrel of gunpowder, lights his pipe, and blows himself up. I think that's what made him go crazy, because he never came back to the Americas after that. Oh, dear. Yeah. All right. Well, my moment of glory, I've not stayed in here because you covered them really well. You covered those those stories for the Columbus Day special really well. Mm-hmm. I have always been kind of interested in um, people's like famous last words. So, for example, um, there's a guy called Oscar Wilde who died years ago. And the story goes that his last words, he's been ill in bed for some time. Mm. And his last words were, either that wallpaper goes or I do. And then, of course, he did. Uh, but that <laughs> oh, may be apocryphal. No. Um, but the my favorite one, slightly gruesome, but it's far enough away, 90 years back, that I think we can take it to be funny, uh, was a man called George Apple. Um, he was uh, executed by the electric chair oh. uh, in 1928. His last words as he was strapped into the chair, or I believe the executioner would say, do you have any last words? His last words were, well, gentlemen, you're about to see a baked apple. <laughs> Which I thought was was quite glorious. That is a <laughs> yeah. moment of glory. I, now, he could be a, a dreadful scumbag. I don't know what he did yeah. that got him executed. It can't have been anything good. Maybe um, witchcraft. But it was quite witty on the way out. Witchcraft in 1928? I would hope not. All right. So. That's it for our Columbus Day special. We've covered Paul Revere, Pocahontas, and uh, our good genocidal friend, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, it's a bit of a heavy episode. Maybe not so much for the young, I wouldn't young say young it's kids. that heavy compared to the other stuff we've been covering. <laughs> it's been pretty heavy. Uh, what are we going to cover next time? Next time, we're going to be covering the life of Benito Mussolini. Indeed we are. Before he was President Bonito Mussolini. Although I think we should kind of zoom through that as well. Let's just yeah. let's just cover him because he's a very interesting guy. Yeah. Um, that's going to be not exactly a lightweight topic either. Mm. But no, good. I'm looking forward to that. Especially his death. Well, any of it. Yeah. Um, okay. As usual, uh, if there are any corrections, uh, comments, additions, please do let us know. We can be reached on Twitter at at history underscore little on Instagram at little history pod and on email at little history pod at gmail.com. Anything else from you, Jamesy? No, I think that's it. Oh, oh. no, one more thing. Uh-huh. I'm going to be drawing up pretty quickly um, a map of arrows to what Christopher Columbus thought was what on a map, just for clarification. All right, and then we'll post that for on people our accounts. Who, uh, aren't map savvy (laughs) good like him yeah um (laughs) good anything else uh no i think that's it all right there's nothing else from me all right say bye james bye bye